Touchdown! Of course, the crowd wants Reed to go for it. Wouldn't be surprised if he did on fourth down and one. So, anyways, with that, time jerks. Welcome to fourth and one. I'm Todd Palmer, joined by Nick Jacobs and. Uh, my man, it's Chargers week. It's a short week. It's a big game. Uh, I don't want to overstate it because, you know, there's 15 more after this week. Uh, but it, it sure feels like after the, you know, the Chiefs lost in week two to the Chargers last week and it kind of cascaded, you know, they, they lost four of six in that stretch. Um, is this, is it, is, how big is this game in your mind? How important is it for the Chiefs to win, get off to a good start in the division and, and show that they put, you know, the demons from early last season behind them? I mean, the reality is the Chiefs can't turn the ball over four times like they did in the Chargers game last year if they expect to win, especially at Arrowhead. Chargers are a better football team. Chiefs are a better football team. Um, and the Chargers got a really good one-two pass rush with Joey Bosa and Khalil Mack that are going to be a problem for the Chiefs' tackle. So for the most part, the Chiefs, they can't really can't really play around. Got to be smart with the football. The lessons they learned last year from that Chargers game on to the Bengals and AFC Championship game, they got the roster pieces to try to resolve and to try to do, try to be able to answer some of those issues that they had last year. So it'll be interesting to see how far they've come. Another question I got for you. Look, I mean, there's injuries are already a big storyline for both teams early in the season. So let's start with this aspect of it. Is it a bigger deal for the chiefs to be without Trent McDuffie or a bigger deal for the chargers to be without Keenan Allen? Yeah, I mean, Keenan Allen's going to be the bigger the bigger problem here for the Chargers not to have him because with him and Mike Williams and Palmer, you've got a nice three receiver combination for the most part. Um, and I mean, if they drafted a couple of guys higher, um, they could have really, really been able to do some damage, but I mean, their offensive lines better. So it's given them more time with the receivers that they do have. You still got Austin Eckler at running back. So, I mean, he's still dynamic. So, I mean, they, they have guys who they can get by with, but in terms of dynamic ability, you're having, they're really having to lean on Mike Williams to, for the most part, be that guy. Yeah. And that's the thing, like Keenan Allen, I think is still the best player. I mean, Austin Eckler is, is a very fine player. He, you know, he's good in the past uh, passing game. You know, he, he's a quality running back and they've got a little bit of depth there, but Keenan Allen, I think is the engine that makes that offense go outside of Justin Herbert. Uh, meanwhile, McDuffie, you know, he's a rookie, uh, you know, I mean, the, the chiefs have, you know, they've only seen him for, you know, half a game really. Um, so I think it'll be easier for them to adjust. I, do you, how much do you worry about Jalen Watson and Joshua Williams though? I mean, we saw Watson, he played, he played pretty well. I thought, um, he also got beat for that touchdown, uh, by Marquise Brown, um, in the fourth quarter there at Arizona. So a mi- bit of a mixed bag, but um, that's probably what you expect from a rookie seventh round corner, right? I mean, I, I don't worry about things like that. There's literally only one worry that I have every single time the Chiefs play a game is can they keep 15 upright and keep them from getting hurt? Because once that happens, your season's over. Everything else they can manage, they can move around. But that's the one concern that you have going into every game. So if this receiver misses or that or, or that corner misses or this player misses, that player misses, look, I mean, it, it is what it is. I mean, you don't want any injuries along the offensive line if you can avoid them and you're hoping nobody has any issues, especially if Trey Smith can't play. But at the end of the day, I mean, the, everything comes down to can you keep 15 healthy? And if you can, then you have a chance. If you can't, you don't have to worry about it anymore. Well, and I think the nice thing about the way the Chiefs are set up right now is, look, if Watson struggles, you, you put Williams in there, you give him a shot, you, you can mix and match. You can always bump Legereus Sneed outside. I thought, you know, Steve Spagnuolo was very complimentary of Brian Cook 
So, you know, if you need to kind of adjust your defense and maybe cooks the, the extra DB that comes in in some situations, if the young corners are struggling on the outside, then, then maybe you have to ride with Fenton and Sneed and, uh, you know, and uh, look, Sneed, ha- he, he's, he's had struggles outside at times before, but I think you trust him more than, than a rookie right now if you need to. Um, you mentioned Trey Smith, though, so I want to be a similar game to the McDuffie Keenan Allen one. You've got a pretty quality backup in Nick Allegretti who played who played okay. Um, you don't have much depth beyond that, right? Uh, but is it a bigger deal if Trey Smith or J.C. Jackson for the Chargers doesn't play? Because both are questionable. Both are, you know, I mean, Trey's only in his second year, but I'd call them veteran, proven commodities in the NFL. Um, you know, are you more worried if you're the Chiefs and Trey Smith's out? Or if you're the Chargers, are you really hoping J.C. Jackson is good enough to go? Um, I mean, look, I mean, as long as Allegretti can play, I mean, that, you know, you're not necessarily terribly worried about Trey Smith, but if Allegretti got hurt, then that would turn into a problem real quick. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's just how that's going to shake out. I mean, JC Jackson hasn't played yet this year after the scope on his ankle to uh, reportedly move some, remove some bone spurs. Um, so, I mean, I, I'll be interested to see if he actually plays. I think they're playing some gamesmanship right now. And we'll we'll see if he ends up actually playing. But I mean, with yeah. how quickly he did what he did, and to try to come back from that, I I thought was a stretch. But I mean, you know, maybe 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 they've got it all worked out. I mean, I, I I'd be a little shocked if he certainly I don't think he can be at a hundred percent. You know, and if he was anywhere near that, I, I would think he would have played against the Raiders too, because that's a division game, that's an opener. Um, I'm not sure how much of a difference four games makes in that scenario but you know uh, never say never i mean they may feel like they need him more for this game you know when you've got hardman juju smith schuster travis kelsey marquez valdez scantling sky Moore, and i think the chiefs just have more weapons uh you know that you have to account for with your secondary so maybe they were trying to save him for this game although again like you said it doesn't seem like that would make a whole lot of sense i do think one injury that could have a huge impact uh, is harrison butker um you know, they brought in the, you know, Matt Amendola, um, you know, and they've already ruled Harrison Butker out. Um, Matt Amendola is, look, Butker's one of the, the, from a percentage standpoint, he's got one of the best legs and is one of the most accurate, kick, accurate kickers in NFL history. Uh, Matt Amendola is not that. So if this is a tight game and every time that Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert have gone up against each other, it has been a tight game. Um how nervous are you going to be if Amendola's got to go out there and and put one through the uprights to to win it or to extend, say, a one point lead late? I mean, anytime you have an unknown commodity that you haven't seen on a regular basis, you're going to be nervous about it and you're going to be concerned about it. But at the end of the day, I mean, this isn't at the end of the day, this game isn't this game isn't live or die. It's not the playoffs. So I mean, if they lose, it's unfortunate. But you hope they come out of the win because it makes their life easier down the road here whenever they're trying to get playoff standing and get home field advantage. I mean, you'd like to see it, but at the end of the day, they showed me enough in the Cardinals game. And if they show just as much in this Chargers game or even more, then you're encouraged with where they're at. So, I mean, look, the, the easiest thing to do is to make it to where it's not a tight game. You need a field goal or extra point to win it, and you and you handle business and you force turnovers and you, you beat them by 14 or more. So that's the easiest way to take away that worry. So, look, Patrick Mahomes, uh, the – you know, the AFC player of the week after, you know, going 30 to 39 for 360 and five touchdowns. I apologize for the numbers, Nick. Um, but I, I mean, I safe safe answer, you know, when you say, what do the chiefs need to do? You know, they, you know, like you said, they need to protect Patrick Mahomes. 
and give him time in the pocket so he can find his weapons. I guess my question, though, is how difficult a task is that going to be um, when you've got, uh, you know, you've got Joey Bosa, you've got Khalil Mack, you've got, you know, a team that likes to blitz. And look, Patrick Mahomes handled the blitz just fine against Arizona, but I think the Chargers are a different beast when it comes to their pass rush. Um, so, I mean, is that the key matchup for you is how do the tackles hold up against the pass rush as far as can this offense if operate at the same efficiency level it did in Arizona? I mean, that that is the matchup. That's the matchup that decides this game for both sides of the football or for both teams. As if Orlando Brown and Andrew Wiley can hold up against Joey Bosa and Khalil Mack, or do the Chiefs need to use the multitude of strategies to where they put a double tight end set and they have them block and double team them to the end zone if they can on every single play. And if they can wear them and tire them out so they don't want to rush when the fourth quarter rolls around and you want to hit them as much as you can and you want to chip them as much as you can, even on pass downs to slow them down to give Mahomes more time if he needs it. The reality of it is Bosa and Khalil are normally back there in 2.5 seconds, maybe three, depending if the tackle makes them take a little bit of a wider angle in terms of his set. So the thing that the Chiefs are going to have to do is they need to either have a chip off that side or have a tight end chip them first and give the tackle time to set up. Or, like I said, they need to run at him for three and a half quarters, get him tired by the fourth quarter, especially if it's a close game, and then they don't have as much steam to be able to close out the way that they would if they were able to stay fresh like that. So there's a lot of opportunity for the Chiefs to also move the pocket and to recreate that so that the blitzers can't do what they want to and Bosa and Mac have to chase down and can't keep rushing in the same spot over and over again and get in a rhythm. So if the Chiefs can break up their rhythm and do those type of things, they have a good chance regardless of who the tackles are to be able to help themselves win. But the Chiefs were practicing getting the ball out quick last week because of the blitz. They're going to have to do it again this week. And the Chargers scheme is based on you taking the underneath routes five to ten yards and being able to handle that. That's what that scheme's been based on, so that's what the Chiefs are going to have to do unless the Chiefs have some surprises for them on some of their rollouts. Well, and look, Mahomes at Arizona completed 29 of 36 uh, for like 328 of his of his yards and all five touchdowns on throws under 20 yards. Um, so that that quick pass, that, that you know, um, you know, look to get the ball out. Don't let the pass rush get home strategy uh, worked out pretty well, uh, especially for a guy who, you know, isn't capable of making more than one read on a play deck. Uh, you know, every week I look forward to Jacob's eye in the sky. If you're not following at Jacob 71 on Twitter, um, then first of all, shame on you. What's wrong with you? Um, you're breaking my heart. You're breaking Nick Hart. You're breaking Trudy's heart. Um, Funny thing is, Todd all, doesn't actually follow me on Twitter. That's true. That's true. Well, it's in fairness, you blocked me. So, um, you know, that, you know, it is what it is. It's a temperamental relationship here at the fourth and one podcast. Um, but one thing you pointed out was that one of the ways to kind of slow down that pass rush, one of the, one of the ways that you can really attack the charges if you want to is by gashing them between the tackles, um, you know, running right at them, um, you know, because they'll get up field, they'll create lanes. Are, are the chiefs equipped to do that though? I mean, cause that's not been a strength of Clyde Edwards Lair in the past. And if Trey Smith's out, can they still do that with, you know, or is this maybe a game where an Isaiah Pacheco type shines um, if they want to try to do that and, and, and they can get enough of a push with Allegretti, assuming he goes instead of Trey Smith? 
If only there was a power running back on the roster that can run between the tackles and be a battering ram for games like this that was inactive last week, but is somehow on the roster. Yeah, no, I was going to say, I, I think we'll have our answer before kickoff if Ronald Jones is is not one of the uh, yeah. one of the inactives for this one. Like if Ronald Jones is in there, it's like, oh, so that's their, they're, they're just going to like bludgeon them today. <laughs> that's what I'm hoping to see on Thursday when I look at the inactives if Ronald Jones is on there or not. And I'm also hoping to see Danny Shelton get elevated from the practice squad as well. That'll be another thing we talk about in a little bit. But I mean, those are two keys that I think if the Chiefs do. They're going to try a different style and different strategy. But, you know, like you said, I mean, yeah, from the article I wrote and all that and some of the video on on uh, Twitter, um, yeah, it's between the tackles. You run at them. You run draws when the ends come that far upfield. You, like I said, use the double tight and you run block them and tire them out and you run right at them. And then you make them not want to play football anymore. You take their will away from them. And the Chiefs offensive line is capable of doing that with the guys that they have, they just don't get a ton of opportunities to really lean on people and to be the guys who take over a game. But if you want to send a message to the Buffalo bills, if you want to send a message to the Bengals, if you want to send a message to the entire league, you run down their throats tomorrow night and you beat them decisively. So then the bills and everybody else says, Oh snap. Yeah. I mean, it would almost be like two years ago when they, they did that to the bills on the, it ended up being what a, a Tuesday night game or, or whatever. And, you know, uh, midweek special, whatever it was, but it was rainy. It was a miserable game. And the chiefs just ground the Buffalo bills into dust with the run game up there in Buffalo in, in orchard park. And I mean, if the chiefs could come out and do what they did at Arizona and then, you know, grind you down, uh, and, and just run right over the chargers. I, I think if the rest of the NFL would, would, would uh it, you would have their attention i'll put it that way and i think everybody would start looking forward to that uh well i mean the tampa bay game coming up you know there's some big ones coming up but i think everybody would really start to zero in on that week five six matchup whatever it is week six matchup i think with the buffalo bills as uh, you know um you know and i look they already are after the divisional game last year and after the way the seasons have played out but i think you really start looking at that as that's going to be the test to see who's the best team in the NFL uh, right now in the first half of the season. Uh, but you, look, they got to go out and do it against the Chargers, right? And I think I have enough faith in, you know, to your point, Mahomes, the offense, things like that. I think we saw enough with them being able to spread the ball around to, to the receivers and stuff like that to feel comfortable with the idea that, that Brett Veach and the Chiefs coaching staff had when they made the Tyreek Hill trade came to fruition, right? Like, the idea was a more diversified offense, you know, give Pat options on each play, give him weapons. He'll, he'll sort it out when he's out there on the field and nobody will be able to stop him. And he did. So my question now is with the benefit of rewatching that Cardinals game, what do you see from the pass rush? And, and, and what do you see from the chiefs defense to, do they have enough, you know, to disrupt Justin Herbert and, and to make, and to, to bottle up Austin Eckler and to contain Mike Williams. I mean, you know, I mean, how do they match up in this one? We still don't know what the Chiefs pass rush is or isn't right now, simply because they were playing contain against Murray because they wanted to keep him in the pocket so he wouldn't be able to see over his offensive lineman. That's not a shot at him height-wise. It's just the reality. He does well when he gets outside the pocket to be able to chuck it downfield. That's the type of quarterback that he is. So the fact that the Cardinals didn't do a bunch of rollouts shows how bad a coaching that they have. That's on them. So thankfully, the Chiefs didn't have to worry about that. Um, I mean, look. Chris Jones is healthy. Um, Frank Clark is certainly on the field. 
Um, Mike <laughs> Dana. So, so is, are you suggesting that all the talk about him losing weight and stuff like that, you didn't see evidence that that Frank Clark is rejuvenated at least in week one? Look, he's he's on he's on like the back two at this point in a golf in a golf course right and now. And coming off COVID, so <laughs> yeah, he had he had he talked last week about how he'd had COVID the the previous week, so he's still battling back from some other health challenges no, too. No, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't hear that, but I'll trust you on it. Um, yeah, I mean, look, I mean, you know, it's that's been a that's been a steady decline from that trade because there's a reason the Seahawks are willing to trade him, and they they got. We'll the always best have of, Super Bowl Fifty Four. <laughs> it's what he was brought here for. It's what he did. So I mean, you know, that is you know, yeah, there were some memorable moments. Yes. Um, but yeah, I mean, and George Karloftis right now, like he's so worried about doing everything the right way, technique wise. That he's not, I mean, he's thinking rather than just playing and for it being second nature. So he's just not there muscle memory wise to where he's had, you know, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of reps, reps to where it's just normal. And it's just like anything anybody else does in a job to where they're used to, you know, writing on a computer, or building an Excel sheet or, you know, building a rundown or writing a web article or rolling you your know, eyes at your podcast host. Well, that's, that, that's been second nature since day one. Um, but you know, so Corn Loftus is just he has the talent, he has the ability. It's just a matter of him getting to that getting to that point to where it's second nature for him. And he'll get there. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's gonna be a little bit of an adjustment period for him. And then the Mike Dana is a good guy to take up to take up, you know, double teams from time to time or to be able to do some twists and stunts and he's got the physical power to him. But I mean, the defensive line I, I personally think they would benefit from having Danny Shelton as the one tech and elevating him from the practice squad because it would help them in the run game to slow down the chargers chargers wouldn't be able to run from a gap to a gap with Shelton in there. And with Chris Jones, they would be done there and they couldn't, even if they spaced the chiefs out defensively, they wouldn't be able to run between the tackles because of that interior. So, I mean, that's, that's why I think having Shelton up is, could be so big for them this week in such a positive way totally. to where they don't, where they don't, you know, they, they have answers for everything that they need to. Yeah, it struck me when you were talking about Mike Dana. He is the Derek Nadi uh, of defensive ends. Like, it's not that he does anything bad. And the things he does okay, he's very okay at. But he doesn't do anything exceptional either, you know. Um, uh, you know, he's he's limited. Um, and it just is what it is. You can't expect miracles uh, from him. Um, so I, that, I, I still think the pass rush how fast can Karloftis develop? How fast can he get his confidence? How fast can he make an impact? I think that's what is going to determine, um, you know, where, what the ceiling for this pass rush ultimately is this year. And also if they want to bring uh, Leo uh, Chanel in the mix as an edge rusher, I think at some point when they do that with yeah, his we, power, yeah, we and talked his speed, about that. Like yeah. if they, they bring him and Carl Loftus together, I think they're going to have a nice little one, two punch and they may find something that they're like, you know, maybe Chanel's actually can play some defensive end for us and then yeah. start maybe reevaluating that down the road. Yeah, no, I mean, that was something we talked about earlier because look that that's his bread and butter. It's, it's getting downhill and he's, he's fast enough. I think, look, he'd be undersized, but, um, I think he could hold up again. I mean, only time will tell if they ever did that. I think he could hold up against the run. I, I, I still like, you know, and if you got Nick Bolton behind him, I, I like that a lot anyway. Um, you know, but it'd be all right. So 
Hey, uh, really, after rewatching the Cardinals game, was there anything that you missed on the first watch or that jumped out at you, especially about the defense? You know, whether it's, you know, Justin Reed or whether it's, you know, Juan Thornhill. We didn't talk a lot about him last week, but, you know, he made a couple plays getting downfield, maybe showed a little bit of that range that we wanted to see from him uh, and that you did see from him his rookie year. So anything else jump out that you, uh, you know, maybe that you put on Jacob's eye in the, eye in the sky I want to bring up here? Um, I mean, the, the key thing is uh, kind of from a defensive perspective, like we've talked about there and like you said with Juan Thornhill, he has this change of direction and explosiveness out of that back. He didn't have that the past two years. He could go straight line speed, but he couldn't change direction and maintain that. And he's able to do that now. You can tell he feels comfortable and confident on that knee. Whenever you're going against Marquise Brown on a vertical like that, and and you can change directions and flip your hips and rotate multiple times the way that he did, like that, that shows that he's back to who he was in the Pro Bowl caliber player he was before. So that was phenomenal to see because they've missed that range in the secondary for, you know, since he got hurt. That's what made that defense special there for a while. Um, and then I would say the other thing is just, just how fast Nick Bolton's gotten from sideline to sideline. That dude, for that dude to chase down uh, Kyler Murray the way that he did from sideline to sideline on one of the QB screens, read it decisively, saw it, and then and sprinted and beat him to the corner and then laid him and then tackled him. Like, I mean, that that's... You know, that's something else that the Chiefs have lacked since Derek Johnson's been gone. And uh, Nick Bolton brought that back to the table. And the Chiefs collectively as a defense are a lot faster than I think people realize or understand. Checkdowns get taken away so much quicker and get probably two to three yards. If somebody got more, you know, there was it was either schemed up a certain way or there was a couple missed tackles. But even Brian Cook missed the tackle on one of the plays, the running backs on the second part of a spin after he juked him and Lidger Snead just lays him out. Like, I mean, you know, so you got, you got guys getting to the ball quickly. You got, you got guys taking care of the little things correctly. And you've just got your back seven has such an insane and crazy speed and aggressiveness and athletic ability that this team hasn't had before. And that's why they went to the youth movement. And I think they were willing to build on the back seven this year so they can build on the front four next year with that defense. Yeah. And, and, you know, I mean, we talked last year, like you didn't see a lot of gang tackling. You didn't see guys being able to get to the sideline that the, uh, Anthony Hitchens of the world, the Daniel Sorensen's the Ben Neiman's, they don't have that lateral ability. They don't have that straight line speed, that ability to get over there. Um, and so it was frustrating, but at the same time, you know, you, you know, you can't ask you know, if, if it's a duck, it's gotta be a duck. You can't ask it to be a hippopotamus, you know? Um, if that makes any sense, like this year, they've got the guys who can get to the ball, who can, you know, rally to the ball and get in position and make those plays. All right. I mean, do you, are the chiefs, the better football team than the chargers? I mean, what, what do you, what do you expect to see at the end of the day? Are the chiefs winning this football game Thursday? Yeah. I expect them to win. I expect it to be a close game. And I mean, you know, I hope 77, nothing. No, so so not that close. Okay. So it's never going to be that. I hope, I hope you I hope if you do place bets, you place them in the state of Kansas so that I can hopefully win someday with the odds that you would have on something like that. Yeah, no, nailed it. Okay. But yeah, no, I, I expect the Chiefs to win and I hope it's more I hope it's a comfortable victory. I would like to not to be stressed out some. So I'm hoping that's the case for him. And as long as the Chiefs hold on to the football, keep Mahomes healthy, that's those are the two key things that matter. Unfortunately, I think you will be under stress, Nick. But I think that um look I Games at home, the Chiefs are motivated. I think they're going to get it done. 
Uh, I have not been to Kansas this week, so I don't have any money on it, but I still think the Chiefs are going to get it done, sir. Sounds good. All right. Well, uh, hey, watch the game on KSHB 41. You don't need to have some fancy streaming service to watch it if you're here in Kansas City. We've got you covered on our NBC affiliate. And uh, so tune in for Nick's pregame show tomorrow at 6. You can watch an hour of exclusive local Chiefs content leading up to the game. Uh, And then we'll have a post game after that. And between now and then, take care, kids.